So, so for, for the operators, for the practitioners, what's the so what of, of that good study that you just articulated? What's the so what? Yeah, so I'm going to um, offer the so what and, and probably add a, a larger view. And the so what for me, particularly because this is in the context of, you know, examining um, uh, equality uh, within our, our naval force, is that, um, I put it this way, icebergs, right? When you think about icebergs, you have that piece of ice that's at the surface, and then you have this big, giant stuff that's happening at the bottom. Right. And we have a tendency to focus on what's salient, right? We have a tendency to focus on the, what's on the surface. And so on the surface, we may look at something and, and, and count, as like I say, we will count and say we have this number of X and this number of X. Those numbers are fairly close, so we're good. When in fact, below that surface is right. a whole lot more information and that is moving and it's a force that mm. moves things in different directions. What this study points to, at least in, in my way of thinking, is it's focusing on what's happening below the surface. So it's not enough for us to look and say um, we don't have issues of systemic um, bias or inequality because we have a proportionate number of folks that represent society, so forth and so on. Right. Doesn't necessarily recognize what's contributing to that, what's hindering that, what's moving that forward, what's pulling that back. This study instead of looking at just at the surface of whether or not black officers and white officers got promoted, right, right. Or, or received a, a certain promotion recommendation, it examined underneath what potentially prevents or enables that early promotion recommendation, and it gives you more to work with. Wow. For me, that's the so what. No, that's, that's, that's pretty good, particularly in, our, in, in today's context, right? Right. Um, you know, um, to this end, um, you know, you, you did this phenomenal work uh, back in 2001, I believe, right? 2001 is when you did the yeah, study. Yeah, it, it was published in 2001. I think I actually did the study in, in 2099, something like that. Right. And, okay, don't tell my age. Uh, no, it's 23. <laughs> that's your age. That's your age. Right, thank you very much. <laughs> so, so for those who, you know, they hear the findings, they hear uh, the so what, but they're still somewhat like, I'm not buying it. Are there, are there what other findings, research, current, um, somewhat validates or refutes your findings? Well, so um, here, here's the reality. Um, and certainly this is what I'm finding. I've been working with the Navy for 10 years now. And, um, you know, I have, have done work with the Army and the Air Force as well. Uh, that there's a, a what I call a, a reflex when it comes to research. Mm. <laughs> and that reflex is if the findings are uncomfortable, unfavorable, or less than desirable, the reflex is to sort of go after the methodology and question, well, you know, what about the sample size or, you know, what about the chi-square or, or something along those lines. And so I, I provided that context to say that there are always going to be um, – folks who are, won't necessarily accept whatever research is out there. Right. I mean, that's, and particularly in, in today's day and time, you know, it's, it's that, that's sort of, it's going to happen. It's sort mm -hmm. of a, a given. Um, 
so I think there is, I, I don't know of any particular research studies that replicate this very specific study, but I know that over the years there continue to be a lot of different studies that examine um, racial differences both within the military and outside of the military as it relates to um, promotion or career and those types of things. And they're all pretty consistent. That right. there, there are differences, um, but again, the importance is understanding why those differences exist. Because mm. right? mm. no one is necessarily suggesting that uh, these raiders, for example, are overtly biased in right. some way, right? right? Right. But may not understand or have a complete understanding of how their conceptions and construals actually lead to that. You know, mm. and so that's when you look at all the the, the research and and data on unconscious bias and how that feeds into, right, potentially feeds into this. Right. I think what becomes um, more important is sort of setting the conditions to be willing to accept that change needs to happen. Mm. And I think that's the harder part, right? Mm -hmm. So if I think about senior leaders, for example, I do work with uh, flag officer development. And if I were to have this conversation or share um, this study with them, I think the hardest part is not necessarily looking for an immediate COA or, you know, what's something practical I can, I can get my hands on, but it is mindset. Wow. Because our tendency is, you know, let's say we, you know, we get the study and it reveals this and somebody uh, duplicates this 20 years later and they come up with similar findings. Right. The, uh, the genuine and natural response, and I'm, I'm sure you've heard this, is, okay, what's the low-hanging fruit? What Absolutely. can we get after right now um, so that we can show some results on this, right? right? And that's, that's laudable, but here's the challenge with going after the low-hanging the low fruit. When you go after the low-hanging fruit, the tree's still there. <laughs> and the roots that support the tree are still there. Right? Love it. And so in order to be willing to go after the roots, right. Right, we have to get the mindset, right? And I think one of the biggest, and I, I don't know if I should say one of the biggest challenges, I would say one of the realistic challenges when we're looking at something like performance evaluations and asking our senior leaders or decision makers to um, act on this type of data and these types of findings is the need for them to be able to accept and acknowledge that our, our performance, our promotion system and the evaluations that support it are not a meritocracy. Mm. And that's hard. And I get why that's hard because in order for me to accept that the system in which I've had success is not a meritocracy means that I have to acknowledge in some way that even though I'm skilled and talented and have done some really good things, that my success is, there are other factors that contributed to my success mm. and that those factors may not be equally available or equally distributed. Wow. Wow. So anyway, I'm rambling a little no, bit. No, no, that's, that's good. where that's my good. mind goes when I think about reactions to this type of study and what we can do. Well, as you were talking, I think about two data points. The first data point um, that I think about um, is, is the Army. Um, uh -huh. you, know, you mentioned the Army. The Army, um, 
they stood up a program, I think that the acronym is BCAP, uh, BCAP. Mm -hmm. And um, they have come on record and launched this new program. And they have acknowledged that their old system of um, establishing uh, battalion commanders right. was good. And I'm using their words, right. it was good, right. Right. But, but there's a better way, right? Because right. They use one data point, right? Yeah. Evals, right? Right. And they said, right. well, there, we, need, we need to look at the whole person. Mm -hmm. so look at other touch points. Um, mm -hmm. And one, of, one aspect that I thought was fascinating, and you're kind of alluding to it, um, a part of their touch point is a, a double blind um, mm -hmm. interview, right? So mm -hmm. that kind of, it, it really gets at the root, as you alluded to. The right. other data point that I think about is the RAND study last week. Yeah. Um, uh, a study uh, across DOD of mm -hmm. uh, one stars. And one of yeah. the items that emerged was this, ducks pick mm -hmm. ducks, mm -hmm. right? So as I synthesize what you're saying, right? And what the Army is doing with BCAP and the RAND study, ducks pick ducks, it seems to me that's the route that you are alluding to. Am I right? Yes, yes. Um, so let me take both of those, the, the, the Army approach and then the RAND study. So I've only read, I think, just one article about the description of the, the Army's approach. So I can't speak on it with any sense of authority, but I am familiar with what you are referring to. And what it reminds me of is something that the SEAL community did several years ago. Mm. So in my work at the Naval War College, I'm involved in uh, Navy leader development and, and helping to um, move forward the way that the Navy develops its leaders and, and our institutional understanding and application of leader development. And several years ago, the SEALs had the same epiphany, that they were judging, they, they figured out that most of their um, decisions were based on, I'm, I'm, I am um, summarizing this probably sure. not in the best way, so it's probably not the exact language, mm -hmm. but on the physical aspects. Mm -hmm. And they came to understand that while someone might not meet the, uh, you know, may fall short just slightly on one of the physical things, the team would say, yeah, but I would go to battle with this yes. person any day. Yes. And so, and then conversely, there were people who were meeting all of the physical aspects and the right. team was like, yeah, I don't want to be with that dude. Right. <laughs> exactly, right. <laughs> I know <laughs> if you so, like that. <laughs> right. And so to their credit, they began looking at what are other things that we should be considering and evaluating and what other processes can we engage to help us do better at that. And so it's sort of a similar type of thing mm. uh, that the, the Army is doing. So we have a model for it within the Navy. Uh, the RAND study was, I thought, a very accurate accounting of Navy culture. Because mm. that's what this boils down to, is right. what does your, what systems does your culture promote? Mm. And you, there's no way you can look at that description. And I'm, I'm guessing, again, I'm not in the Navy. I'm not a Naval officer. Sure. I've never had a fit rep. Mm -hmm. But I am guessing that most officers read that and went, yep, that's exactly how this goes, right? <laughs> <I'm> like, yep. 
<laughs> just but like that. <laughs> just like that, right? Exactly right? But here's the thing. Our promotion system and, and the way we do rankings and those type of things mm -hmm. is a forced distribution. Mm. Right? It's a forced distribution. Mm -hmm. And by its very nature, forced distribution is not based on merit. Because that means that even though someone may have achieved a certain level of success, because you're forced to put only a certain number of people within that curve, right. then their merit, their skills and their abilities is devaluated. Mm. So by the very nature of our design, it's not a meritocracy. And here's what's interesting about that. So when Thomas completed her study, um, she noted at the end that the Navy at the time was in the process of changing its fit reporting process, right. which was the one that we have now. And she had in her paper a warning that said, here's a caution, a forced distribution could potentially create bias. Mm. And so that's where we are 20 years later, that there is the possibility, as certainly the way that um, the RAND study actually described our processes, that highlights why we're not a meritocracy and, when, and that our processes are right for advantage and disadvantage.